Turn with me to Deuteronomy the 30th chapter, please. Deuteronomy chapter 30. We've been on a subject for some uh, weeks now that I want to continue. And our main text here is in Deuteronomy 30, beginning about verse 15. I'm going to read in the Good News translation. Deuteronomy 30, 15. The Lord is speaking. He said, today I'm giving you a choice between good and evil. A choice between life and death. If the Lord gives you a choice, then now whose choice is it? His or yours? Well, it's, it's yours. He gave it to, to you. Verse 16. If you obey the commands of the Lord your God, which I give you today, if you love him, obey him, and keep all his laws, then you will prosper and become a nation of many people. The Lord your God will bless you in the land that you're about to occupy. That's connected to if you do what he tells you to do. Verse 17, but if you disobey and refuse to listen, there's going to be a different outcome. You're led away to worship other gods. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? Not the same thing. Right? Not the prospering. Not it being well with you. You're going to be destroyed. He said, I warn you here and now. You will not live long in that land across the Jordan that you're about to occupy. Now, we've been dealing with this topic, like I said, for some weeks. And we've been talking about things that are widely believed in Christian circles all over the world. The statements that people make adamantly like, God is in control. God is sovereign. God is in control. Is that true? In in control of what? If he said the choice is up to you, does that mean he's in control of that choice? Yeah. Now see, even though it's, it's widely believed and it's been tradition for centuries, doesn't mean it agrees with the word or that it's true or that it's right. There are things that people say that uh, most every Christian agrees with, but there's some real error at the heart of it. You ever heard somebody say, well, I just believe that everything happens for a reason. You ever heard that? Yes. Well, everything happens for a reason. You know, it all works out for the good, for the best. No, it doesn't. For a very specific group of people, God is making things work out for their good. Those that love God. Does everybody love God? No. Well, I, I just believe that everything happens for a reason. And people say, you know, preachers will stand by the uh, caskets at funerals of, uh, of children and, and youth and, and say, well, you know, God must have some purpose in it. We don't understand it. And the implication is that somehow or another, even the most terrible of things is the will of God. And the all-encompassing plan of God. 
And that just is not so. I said it's not true. I know a lot of folks believe it. But how do you explain scriptures like we just, we're reading right now. And the many that we've already covered. If God is controlling everybody and everything. There can be no if. Did y'all hear this saints? Are there ifs in the Bible? All over the place. If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you'll be destroyed. If you obey, it's going to go good for you. If you don't, this is going to happen. If God is controlling everybody and everything, there can't be any ifs. It's only what he decrees. You don't believe God is sovereign? You don't believe God is almighty? I do believe that God is all-wise, all-knowing, almighty. But what if in his power and wisdom and sovereignty, he left some things up to us? If he left some things up to you, can you turn around and leave it up to him? You can try. People are trying. (laughs) But it's just not so. The choice, he said, is yours. Keep reading. Verse 17, if you disobey and refuse, led away to worship other gods, you'll be destroyed. I warn you here and now, you'll not live long in that land across the Jordan that you're about to occupy. So if they died young and they died in hardships and wrong things, could you say, well, that was the mysterious plan of God working out in their life? They died, you know, from a battle that they shouldn't have had. They died from some kind of famine or lack at 33. People say, well, you know, their time came. People say, well, it's appointed unto man a time to die. Actually, that's a misquote. It's appointed unto men once, one time to die after this, the judgment. Well, there's a time to be born, a time to die, a season. And if you look at other scriptures, your Proverbs talks about doing things that will add days to your life and lengthen your life. Psalms talks about doing things that will cut your life in half. You can die wrong. You can die young. There are all kind of things happening on the planet that's not the will of God. Not the plan of the Father. Doesn't please Him. Things that grieve Him. And yet people are trying to blame everything on God. God's in control. Is he? Of what? If he's in control of everything, he's in control of you. Let's just take you. And yesterday. And last week. God was in control of everything you said. Everything you thought. Everywhere you went, everything you did, everything you bought, everything you ate, everything you watched, God was in control of all of that. Or has he left a lot of stuff up to us? And are we making choices that are either involving him or excluding him? That's what we want to get in and talk about today. Go to Psalm 115, please. Psalm 115. And 16, you remember what we call the Lord's Prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Anybody know the rest of it? Thy will be done, how? On earth, earth, how? 
Well, isn't God's will being done the same in earth and heaven? Huh? If God's will is already being done on the earth, just like it is in heaven, why would he tell us to pray that it would be? Are things the same in heaven as they are on earth right now, today? Huh? Look at this verse. The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's. Why would you need to say that? Isn't everything the Lord's? Yes and no. He's making a difference here. The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth has he given to the children of men. Now, if I gave you a car and you ran it through the ditches and you wrecked it and and you dogged it out and messed it up, and somebody said, man, what's wrong with your car? You say, well, that's Brother Keith's car. <laughs> For some reason, he wants me to have this doggy old car. It was his will for it to be. Well, no, I gave it to you. What you did with it. Hmm? And heavens, the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth has he given to the children of men? Has he really given the earth to men? Did he? He did. And man, Adam and Eve, bowed their knee to the enemy. So who's in charge of the earth? God's in control of the earth? God's running the earth. God's in control of everything that's happening down here. If he is, it's in a mess. Right? Is he really controlling everything down here? Let's do a contrast. How much crime in heaven? How much crime? How much crime you think in heaven? Zero. How many plagues? Diseases? How much trouble they having with cancer and AIDS up there? How much? Zero. Zero. How many people going hungry? Starving? Being mistreated. None. You know why? Because God's in control. (laughs) He's in complete control. What about down here? All kind of problems. All kind of terrible things. Why? Because men are in control. Men, influenced by the devil, are running stuff. And making decisions. And and leaving God out. Oh there's coming a time. When God's going to restore everything. And here on the earth. The lion's going to lie down with the lamb. Not going to have any more hot weather. Or cold weather. Or tornadoes or hurricanes. No there'll be no more pain. No more sorrow. No more crying. No more dying. Why? Because God really will be in control. Down here. But for right now, he's given it into the hands of men, and between people and the devil, it's messed up. And to blame God for that is ignorance. Because he didn't make men choose wrong. He gave us a choice. And men have, and men continue. 
to make the wrong choice. So when people say, well, I, I just believe everything happens for a reason. Well, okay, but the reason could be you chose wrong. And it could have nothing to do with God. Go to Ephesians, the second chapter. I tell you where you're going there. Put up Proverbs 19.3 for me. Don't want to run past this one. Proverbs 19.3 in the easy to read translation. You're going where? Ephesians 2. This scripture said people ruin their lives with the foolish things they do and then they blame the Lord for it. How many think that's dumb? That's not smart. The uh, today's English version says people ruin themselves by their own stupid actions and then blame the Lord. Is it reasonable to blame God for your choices? And yet are people doing that? People act, no matter what happens, they go, well, God, you know, must have some purpose in it. God has a purpose in you choosing wrongly. People try to make God responsible for everything. You know, here come a a tornado and it went through a trailer park and picked up a a trailer and threw it and, and a child was killed. And preachers will stand by and say, well, you know, God needed another little angel in the choir and and he must have had some purpose and some reason. God is not throwing trailers through the air and killing six-month-old babies. I know, but this should be plain and obvious to us, but it's not. Christians all over the world believe some variation and form of this. No, there's all kind of problems in the earth. It's affected nature from its very core. The Bible said the planet is groaning and travailing. Why? Same thing that's happening to your body is happening to the planet. It's aging and it's dying. People talking about saving the planet. Not going to be able to. (laughs) That doesn't mean you have to see how quick you can mess it up. Same thing with your body. But the, the planet is not going to be saved. God's going to have to change it. It's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. The elements are going to melt with fervent heat. He's going to recreate it. And it's going to be an earth where there is no curse. We've never been on a place like that before. It's going to be something else. Glory to God. But all the things that are out of balance... And the things that are not right and the extremes, that's because the planet has been affected by the sin and the curse, just like our bodies have, everything down here is affected by it. Aren't we thankful for Jesus coming and redeeming us, though? And uh, just in a short matter of time, we'll experience the rest of our redemption, which includes the changing of our body. In uh, Ephesians 2, notice this. Ephesians 2 and 11, he said, uh, remember that you being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, called uncircumcision, but what's called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. Verse 12, at that time you were without Christ. Everybody say without Christ. You're aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope. And without God in the world. Somebody say without God. God. Now. 
without God is not the same as God controlling your every move. Remember in Revelation we see the master saying behold I stand at the door and knock. And if any man will open I'll come in sup with him. There'll be fellowship. What if you don't open up? What if you don't invite him in? Will he be in there with you anyway? Is it true that God is in control of everything or is really the truth that unless you invite God in, he's not in it? He's not in it. Now this is radical thinking compared to tradition. But we I've got dozen scriptures right there on that page that say the very same thing over and over and over again in our text that we were just in. Go back to Deuteronomy uh, 31. He describes it. Deuteronomy 31, 16. The Lord said to Moses, Behold, you'll sleep with your fathers. This people will rise up and go a-whoring after the gods of the strangers of the land. Now this is something you see repeatedly. That people, a group of people, a family, a business, a church, a ministry, will do pretty good as long as a certain leader is around. But you take them out, and I've seen families that they didn't realize how much grandma or mama's faith and prayer was making a difference in their family. And as long, the Bible says repeatedly about individuals that as long as so-and-so was alive, they served God. But when they left, the whole thing went crazy. They didn't realize the stability of the faith of that individual or their influence or their scope. You'll see this a lot of time with kids, teenagers. Folks wonder why that when the kid left home, went off to school or this or that, and just did some bizarre things. Well, it's possible to be in an environment where there's a lot of uh, faith and protection and the temptation and the pull is affected, it's limited. And then you get away from those influences and... um, I know one uh, fellow told me one time he went to this certain uh, place for a vacation and um, it was in Europe somewhere and, and they were much more uh, promiscuous and it's supposed to be a beautiful place. But he come back somebody said, well, how's your vacation? He said, you know, a week of fighting lust devils is not really a good vacation. <laughs> he said, that place was, uh... see, he's away from home. And the influences here are unchecked. This should be one of the great benefits of having a good church. Right? The church's influence is to extend over the whole area, the whole county, the state. Right? And you get enough churches, it should affect the whole nation and outside the nation. And your faith at your home should just keep a lot of things at bay so that your kids are not pulled like they would be in some places. But it's also why, parents, listen, you can't do everything for your kids. 
You got to let them make some choices. And you need to give them some freedom. Even to make some mistakes. And learn on some things maybe that's not so critical. For they just go from you doing everything for them. To them being totally on their own. In one big move. And that's why people are shocked. And sometimes parents act so blind. They think well you know I can't believe my baby did that. Come on now. You were a teenager at one time. You know what you did. Yeah but that's my baby. Why do you think they're so different from you? They're smarter than me. Not necessarily. They're stronger than me. Not necessarily. Don't be so shocked. But train them. I mean from the time a child is just two or three years old. They should be trained to resist the devil. When influences come. You don't have to talk about demons and scare them. But just when they want to do something that's not right. And something's influencing them to rebel and disobey. They need to learn to stand up against that and resist it. What you're doing is training them. Making them strong for when they leave the house. When they go to school, when they go here, when they do that. So these influences are there, but those, when you got strong leadership, strong moms and dads, strong pastors, strong vision and strong faith, it really makes a difference. And sometimes people don't realize how much their life is being affected by these people's faith and prayer. Things are really, they're going good and everybody's happy and they don't realize until if they're taken out. Now, in the kingdom of God, if things are right, there's supposed to be people being trained and brought up and prepared and there should be be a smooth transition. Generation to generation. Shouldn't there? But when Moses was removed, what happened to this bunch? Not that they didn't have some challenges while he was still alive. But man, they really went off the deep end. Verse 17, well, let me read it again. Verse 16, it said, they will forsake me and break my covenant, which I've made with them. This word forsake is also translated abandon. Also, you know, it means to leave. They'll forsake me. They'll leave me. They'll abandon me. God's talking and break my covenant, which I've made with them. Verse 17, my anger will be kindled against them in that day and I'll forsake them. And I'll hide my face from them. What's going to happen if he's not with you? They'll be devoured. And many evils and troubles will befall them. Why? Because it was God's plan for them to go through this trouble? Not God's plan at all. Why are they going through it? Because they left him and he's not with them. Can you see this? Remember that phrase, without God. In the world. And also if you're without God in the world. You're without hope. You're in trouble. And they'll say. Are not all these evils come upon us? Because God's mysterious plan? No. Because God is not among us. He's not with us. When you're seeing the tragedy. You're seeing the cruelty. You're seeing the devastation. You're seeing the death, the famine, the war, the atrocities. What's the biggest problem? God is not in any of that. He's not in those, you know, here and there, maybe somebody will pray and believe him for something and he can do something. But 
if he was allowed enough room, that, that situation would change. It would not continue. How can you tell if God's involved? Easy. Good things happen. Needs are met. Bondages are shattered. Right? People are set free. Saved, healed, delivered, filled, thrilled. Right? Every good gift. Every perfect gift. It's coming from him. But when you see the stealing and the killing and the destroying, God's not the destroyer. The devil's called the destroyer. So no, it's not that God's controlling everything in the earth. The truth is, unless you ask him to be involved and believe him to get involved with you, he's not. And there are millions of people that are doing their own thing. They're in the world, but God's not in their life. They're without God. Go with me, please, to Psalm 27. Psalm 27. You'll see a principle that's repeated in the word over and over again. It's an eye-opener. If you've only believed the tradition, instead of attributing all the evil things to God, you begin to see what's really going on. In Psalm 27 and verse 8, he said, When you said, Seek ye my face, my heart said to you, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not your face far from me. Put not your servant away in anger. You've been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. If you'll stay with him, He'll never leave you or forsake you. But you can leave him. And you can push him out of your life. And he will allow it. And when you do, bad things are going to happen. Hold your place right here and go to Isaiah, please. Isaiah, the first chapter and the 28th verse. Isaiah 1. And 28 just simply says this, the latter part says, They that forsake the Lord shall be consumed. Shall be. Didn't, didn't say the Lord's going to destroy you, but you will be consumed. Go to the fifth chapter of Isaiah, and he gives a, a really, paints a really graphic picture of what's happening. The Lord says, I will sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. My well-beloved has a vineyard in a very fruitful hill. And you can see connections with this and the ideas in Song of Solomon, how that we are the bride of Christ and how God loves us. He loves his vineyard, his wife. And he fenced it. And gathered out the stones thereof and planted it with the choicest vine, built a tower in the midst of it, and made a wine press. He looked that it should bring forth grapes, and it brought forth wild grapes. Not because of the vine, because the vine was right. But this good vine perverted itself and brought forth wild grapes. Keep reading. Now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, I pray you, betwixt me and my vineyard. What could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done in it? 
What did he do? Well, back up. He put a wall around it. He, he gathered out the stones and hindrances. He planted it with the choicest vine and seed. He built a tower. He did everything that could have been done for it. Every opportunity. Every provision. And when I looked at it, it should bring forth grapes. It brings forth this wild stuff. Now go to, I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away the hedge thereof. And what will happen when the hedge is gone? It will be eaten up. I'll break down the wall. What will happen? It will be trodden down. He's not going to prune it. He's not going to dig it. And if if he doesn't take care of it, briars and thorns are going to come up and take it over. He's not going to send rain to it. Can you see what's happening here? For us to be destroyed, it's not that God has to come destroy us. All he has to do is stop keeping us. If he's not protecting us, we're exposed. And there's plenty of stuff. I mean, the the Israelites were a prime example of this. They made it through all kinds of situations and then they started griping and complaining and blaming God and blaming Moses and, and Aaron. Next thing you know all these poisonous snakes come into the camp. Now it's not surprising that you find a snake in the desert. What's surprising is they've had no problem with snakes until now. Why? From when they were in Egypt there has been this invisible force field Hasn't it? Round every time something was happening in Egypt, it wouldn't happen where they were. Well, that's like a state line. That's like being at the Missouri-Arkansas line. And it being terrible on one side, and you step across the line, and the sun's shining over here, and it's great. How can that be? With God's protection. With God's provision. Even though you're in close proximity to what's going on in the world, even though the world's experiencing terrible pains and problems, you can be kept. Amen. I said you can be kept. Amen. Even though plagues are sweeping through the land, it doesn't have to come in your house. Amen. Even though people are losing everything they got and, and economics are terrible, you can open a new branch. Amen. Why? It's a witness. It's a witness. Eventually people will come and say, how are you doing it? What are you doing? You say, I know somebody. (laughs) Who do you know? I've been wanting you to ask me that. Who do I know? Let me tell you who I know. He's the good shepherd. He's the king of kings. He's the lily of the valley. He's everything you ever need, right? Tell them, introduce them to your best friend. It should be a witness. Now, in talking about these things, you see... That God is not the destroyer, but if he doesn't keep you, the destroyer has access. And so about the worst thing that could happen to you is for you to do your own thing. Be on your own without him. Because you're exposed and basically it's open season on you. And folks say, well, you know, that's, just, that's not fair. Why did God put all this off on me? It's one thing after another. Why did, God, what kind of, why did God choose this kind of life for me? He didn't. 
He didn't. He said, it's your choice. Didn't he say that? One thing that got me going down this line stronger than before was in, in a time of prayer seeking the Lord about some things. I asked him this. I said, Lord, you know, people say, how can a God who is love send people to hell? How can a God, a good God, who genuinely cares about people and loves people, send them to a, a, an eternal devil's hell? And just like that, he spoke to my heart. I don't mean to heard a voice, but in a way I hadn't heard this before. He spoke to my heart. He said, Keith, it's not my choice. Is that true? Is that true? People are trying to tell us everything is God's choice. But is that what he said? Go into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. And God will save the ones he wants to. And not, No, no, no. He that believes and is baptized will be saved. He that believes not shall be damned. Does the person have anything to do with it? Does their choice have anything to do with it? So whether people are going to heaven or hell, is that really God's choice? He said, it's not my choice. I know that sounds strange to people that are bogged up with traditional beliefs. But I believe it's the truth. You don't believe God is sovereign? and I do believe he is. But in his sovereignty and wisdom, he chose to leave some things up to us. And you can't leave up to him what he left up to you. You can try, but it's just not that way. Go to Psalm 81. Psalm 81. In verse uh, 10. Psalm 81 10 says. I am the Lord your God. That brought you out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide. And I will fill it. But my people would not hearken to my voice. And Israel would none of me. So what happened? So I said I am God. And you will do what I say. I had a preacher come down, put his finger right in my face, and said, I want you to know God is sovereign. And when he gets ready for you to do something, by golly, you'll do it. I mean, he's on the verge of cussing. I said, No, he won't. That made him even matter. But he won't. He won't make you do what he wants you to do. He won't. You know what he'll do? He will let you do whatever you want to do. No matter how wrong it is. No matter how much it hurts you. It can hurt other people. It can grieve God. It can be completely opposed to his plan and will. And he will let you do it. If it destroys you and people around you. What did it say? I gave them up to what? Their own hearts lust. And they walked in their own counsels. And that's about the worst thing that could happen to you. Is for God to leave you to yourself. <laughs> and let you do it your way. In the beginning days of our ministry. There was a couple of things I thought I wanted to do. I want to do it like this. And, you know, if you bug the Lord enough about it, 
He let you do what you want. He's going to do that anyway. He's going to let you do what you want to do. You remember they asked for a king? Israel did. And he told them it wasn't his will, wasn't his plan. But he let them have one. Right? And uh, so then, you know, I, I pushed and pushed about it. And, and uh, you know, if the Lord's not talking to you about something, that's a clue. It's a hint. And finally, after two or three of those things, after a few years, I, I, I came and fell on the floor one night and put my nose in the carpet and said, God, I don't want you to let me do anything else. <laughs> I'm tired of you letting me do stuff. I, I, what do you want me to do? I want to know what you want. The only way, listen carefully, saints, the only way God's in control of you is if you submit yourself to him. That's the only way God's in control of you. Oh, but friend, that's gloriously possible. You can yield yourself to him to the point that he really is leading you, guiding you, involved in even the small parts of your life. It's possible. Jesus is the perfect example of it. God really was in control. The Father really was in control of Jesus as he walked the earth. You heard him talk. You were hearing the Father. You saw him doing things. You were seeing the Father. Because God was in control of everything that was happening there. He's our example. He goes on to say, I gave them up to their own heart's lust, and they walked in their own counsels. Oh, that my people had hearkened to me, and Israel would have walked in my ways. What would have happened? I would have soon subdued their enemies and turned my hand against their adversaries. I'd have got involved. The haters of the Lord would have submitted themselves to him, but they that they should have endured forever. He should have fed them with the finest of the wheat, with honey out of the rock. Should I have sustained, satisfied them? If what? If they'd listen. But they wouldn't listen, so what? So you do what you're going to do. And God will let you. I said he will let you do what you choose. But don't, when things don't go good, don't turn around and go, well, I guess the Lord. There's a reason for everything. Yeah, the reason is you were dumb and didn't listen. We've all made mistakes. But at least let's have the understanding not to blame God for it. Right? Not to blame God for our our wrong choices. Go to Psalm 106. Psalm 106, please. We should do a lot of praying because there's so much we we haven't known and understood. We should do a lot of of reading the word. Not just because it's a a holy, godly thing to do. We need it. We need it just to have the right perspective. Just to realize what's going on. How to make the right choices. If Jesus needed to pray a lot, you think we can get by on less? If he needed to be able to quote the word front and back all the time, you think we need it too? That's how he dealt with everything. He's our example. One of the biggest problems is just darkness, just ignorance, just not knowing what's going on. Just oblivious, just blaring through life, making choices, not asking God, and problems and problems compounding, and folks just going, oh God, what's going on? Well, it's a level of carnality. And it costs. 
But if we would pull away from the loudness of the world and so much of the flash and junk and distraction, if we'd get quiet and be still and know he's God, if we'd feed on his word to a point where it's our minds getting renewed, if we'd check in with him continually, then what would happen? What does Proverbs 3 say? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do what? Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And what will happen? He'll get in your business. If you do what? You've got to acknowledge in what? In all your ways. Phyllis and I do this on a regular basis. I mean, we'll be going down the road in the car. Something come up, we'll begin to realize uh, something. And, and just, I mean, one of both of us will start praying right in the sentence and go, Lord, we're asking you to be involved in this. We're asking for your wisdom. We're asking for your direction. Acknowledge him. Act like he's in the car. Because he is. <laughs> Acknowledge him in your office, in your house. Just stop and go, well, Lord, we want you in this. Because he's not just going to automatically be there. Now he's there, but I'm talking about manifesting himself. He's not just going to get involved. He's not going to push through and make you do what you're supposed to do. He's not going to say, would you shut up and let me talk? He will let you blab, 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 blab. And not have a clue. And let you go on and and do the dumbest things. Don't raise your hand. And you have not. Why? You didn't ask. You didn't check in. In all your ways. Come on, somebody say it. In all your ways. Say it again. How many? Reckon how much that includes. In all your ways. Do what? Acknowledge him. Acknowledge him. Act like he's there. Talk to him. Ask him for help. Look. Check. And what did he say he would do? What did he say? You reckon you could take him at his word on that? He shall direct thy path. What does that mean? That means he's involved. There are many that they are without God. God's not in their life at all. And you can see by the results. But there are some in the earth alive today. I'm looking at some of them. Huh? That God is really involved in their life. And you can tell by the good things that keep happening. Somebody say good things. Good things. Psalm 106.37 They provoke the Lord and they learn the ways of the heathen. Now let's just stop right here. This is a continuation of our text. Did they choose to ignore him and go another way. They even sacrificed their sons and daughters to devils. They shed innocent blood. Even the blood of their sons and of their daughters whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan and the land was polluted with blood. And they were defiled with their own works and went a-whoring with their own inventions did you, you keep hearing these things, own works, own counsel, own vision. Is God letting them do what they choose to do? He is. 
Therefore was the wrath of the Lord kindled against his people, insomuch that he abhorred his own inheritance. And he gave them into the hand of the heathen, and they that hated them ruled over them. Their enemies oppressed them, and they were brought under subjection under their hand. This is what happens. It's not that God is destroying his people. It's that when you reject him, then he's not there. You abandon him. You forsake him. You say you want something else. Well, he's going to let you have it. This particular thing was especially grievous to the Lord. Go to Jeremiah. Did you know God has a soul? I'm quoting scripture. God is spirit. He has soul. And he has what we might call feelings. Some people have the idea that God is sitting on the throne and He's old, 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 creaky, cobweb old. I mean, long, white beard, and you look at him, he, he's awesome, he's fearsome, but he's, he's old. And, and he's, he just, he's not happy, he's not sad, he's, he's just no expression, no nothing, maybe stern, but really nothing, because he's, he's not human-like at all. That's untrue. He's a whole lot like us. This is no, no, no. Yeah. Why? Because he made us like him. Right? He's a whole lot like us minus the sin and perversion. But the makeup God gets happy. God rejoices. The Almighty on the throne laughs. He laughs. He sings. That's something I'm looking forward to. How about you? Oh, I believe soon and very soon we'll all be at the throne. And somebody will say, shh, the Father's going to sing a special. The Father, the Father, reckon what kind of notes, the Father, you talk about out of this world. He can be angry. He can be grieved. He talks about being hurt. God, the Almighty. He said one time concerning his people Israel in the height of their idolatrous practice, he said, I'm broken. With their whorish heart. Isn't that something? Listen to what he said about this. We just got through reading about them burning their babies. To idols. Listen to this. In Jeremiah 7 and 23. He said I said obey my voice. I'll be your God. You'll be my people. Walk in all the ways that I've commanded you. That it may be well with you. Keep reading. But they hearkened not. They wouldn't listen. They walked in what? The counsels and imagination of their evil heart. They went backward and not forward. He said, I sent the prophets to you. Keep going. I'm going to paraphrase 26. Yet they wouldn't listen. They hardened their neck. They did worse than their fathers. 27. So he said, you speak these words to them. Skip on down to about verse 30 or so here for time's sake. He said, they set their abominations 
which are called by my name in, in, in the house to pollute it. 31. They built the high places of Tophet to burn their sons and their daughters in the fire. Now listen to this. Which I commanded them not, neither came it into my heart. Listen to another translation of this. This is uh, the complete Jewish Bible. He said, something I never ordered. In fact, such a thing never even entered my mind. God said. The stuff that's happening on the earth. Is all of it God? God says there's some stuff never even came into my mind that y'all are doing. Now I know that sounds strange to us because people think, well, no, God, somewhere, no, no, he said. I'm going to stay with what he said. I'm not going to try to twist it and change it to match some kind of traditional view. If he said it never came into his heart and mind, then what are you going to say? Never came into his heart. Never came. God said, I never told them to do any such despicable thing. In fact, it never even came into my heart. It never even came into my mind. The New Living Translation says a a similar thing. New Living. I never commanded such a horrible deed. It never even crossed my mind to command such a thing. How many think this really shows clearly? If it never crossed his mind, how's he controlling it? How's this his plan? The slaughter of innocence. It's not his plan. It's not some way or another his will, some way or another it's happening for a divine purpose and reason. No, no, no. It's people doing their own evil things. Stuff they've come up with, their counsel, their ideas. And the results of it is death and destruction and judgment. Go with me, please, to Second uh, Chronicles 32. Second Chronicles 32. Let me give you another scripture. I want to make sure you have plenty of scripture. Hold your place in Second Chronicles. Put up on the screen for us Luke 13:34. Luke 13:34. This is such a, we, we studied last time I was with you about how Jesus portrays the Father. Ever how he dealt with people. That's how God's dealing with the planet. That's the perfect picture of it. And here's such a picture you see with Jesus. And put this in the uh, complete Jewish Bible for us, please. Complete Jewish. He said, uh, he's calling out Jerusalem. You kill the prophets. You stone those that are sent to you. How often I wanted to gather your children just as a hen gathers her chickens under her wings, but you refused. Is this really the picture of God and the planet? Is he going, let me help you. Let me in your life. Let me. Now, now people have painted another picture. They say, well, no, you know, no, no. God's not pleading with humanity. God's sovereign and, and his will is being done. That's not what the scripture says. God's not helpless. No. He's not despondent. No. His plan, overall plan is going to be accomplished. Yes. His counsel will stand. But there's a whole lot of stuff that's not his counsel. 
And who gets used in it is another thing because many are called, but not everybody that's called is used and chosen and involved. Keep reading. Look, God is abandoning your house to you. The New Living says it like this. New Living Testament, that one said God is abandoning his house to you. Look, your house is abandoned. Let's see the Amplified on this one. Your house is forsaken. Why? Because they forsook him. Left to you destitute of God's help. The problems that we've had in our nation. It's not that God is attacking us and and God is mad and, and judging us the way some folks have portrayed. It's that different people in different parts of the country have been pushing him out for years. And you can't push God out and say, well, I want to keep the protection part. But I don't want God and I don't want prayer and I don't want the word and I don't want faith and those talk about Jesus and but oh God keep us. God bless America. No. You push him away. You just pushed away the protection. It's a package deal. And so you keep pushing God out. You're going to be exposed. And the enemy is going to have access to you. And some things can happen. I believe it's been the mercy of God. So much stuff that hasn't happened. Don't you believe that? We've been spared, spared, spared. By the mercy of God. Because there still is some light and salt in this country. You believe it? There's a lot of believers in here. And a lot of folks praying. And God is involved. How many would like to see him fully involved? I mean fully involved. In every level. Well. we Our influence can grow. And. Uh, that's why you need to vote. Need to pray. Need to believe God. Right? God's choice, God's ways, his influence, so that he's more and more involved. People are asking him to be instead of threatening you, if you even bring up Jesus. How many think we ought not be ashamed? Amen. We ought not be ashamed. So you keep that God stuff to yourself. Nope. Where I go, he goes. Right? I don't go. Tell him I don't leave home without it. I don't leave home without him. No, sir, no, ma'am. If he ain't going, I ain't going. He said, your house is left to yourself and it's destitute of God's help. That is a perilous situation. And if you don't have God's keeping power, then like we said, it's, it's open season on you. In, look, look at this in Chronicles. Second Chronicles 32, 31, just this phrase. You'll see a picture of God's dealings with the whole planet, with all generations. Hezekiah was a good king, but he made some very serious mistakes too. And uh, in the ambassadors of the princes of Babylon, who sent to him to inquire, God left him to try him that he might know all that is in his heart. What does that mean? He left him to do whatever he chose to do. And it showed up his heart. 
it showed up a problem. When you can do whatever you want to do, you show your heart. If you got no choice, then we don't really see it. As long as there's this external controls and people around you making decisions and, and kind of holding your hand. And, but when you take them away and you take that away and you take all the other away and now you can do anything you want to do. Now we find out what's really in you. Amen. Who you really are. And that's why God has allowed the whole earth to experience this. You and I can choose anything we want to. We can do good, bad, evil, terrible, wonderful. We can obey him. We can love him. We can cuss him. Can't we? Do anything you want to do. But with nobody making you, if you choose in this dark world to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, if you choose with nobody making you and forcing you, to believe him and trust him and obey him, you qualify for an eternal place beyond this life. He knows he can trust you because when you could do anything that you wanted to do, you chose him. You and you could rebel all you wanted to, but you chose to obey. It speaks throughout the ages. You are not only called, you're chosen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And because you're in Christ and you put your faith in him, there was a time when he hung on the cross and he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why? Because man had forsaken God, Jesus took the place. Didn't he? And experienced God not being with him. Why? So that you and I would never be forsaken, never be abandoned, never be left. Oh, can you say glory to God? Hallelujah. Stand on your feet, everybody. Say it out loud. I can choose anything I want to. Lord, I choose you. I can go any way I decide. Lord, I want your way. I desire your way. Sit out loud. Open my eyes, Father. Any places, any areas, I've ignored you. Gone my own way. Forgive me. That's not my desire. And it's not my choice today. I choose you. Remind me. Show me how to acknowledge you in all my ways, every night, every day, everywhere, all the time. I desire you in every part of my life, every part of my being. I'm asking in Jesus' name, come in, come in, please. Fill up my life with yourself. Glory to God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. 
For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.